sorry, technical difficulties. Okay. What made that fall? How do you know? Newton said so. Thank you. You exactly demonstrated the point I was going to make. So most of us have learned about gra gravitational theory in school. If you haven't yet, kids, you will. And we did experiment on, on how fast objects of different masses fall. We learned about Newton's theories, and maybe, you know, in high school, we dipped our toes into Einstein's theory of re general relativity. Uh, but at the end of the day, very few of us have done sophisticated experiments on object attraction ourselves. Rather, we believe in gravitational theory because trusted authorities tell us it's the best explanation for why things fall. No other options out there are presented as credible. Now, I'm not here to cast doubt on scientific theories. The point is, as C.S. Lewis famously wrote, that 99% of the things we believe are believed on authority. Trusted authority tells us that it's so, and we believe it. I'm going to pick this up. Because I don't know about you, but when something is just lying on the floor, it bothers me. And so I want to spare those of you who might bother that. Okay. So the question is not just about what we believe, it's about who we believe. Who do we trust? And it's about also about what believing certain authorities does to us. Do the authorities we believe encourage truth, justice, mercy, shalom? Or do they encourage falsehood, suspicion, anxiety, and chaos? When Jesus shows up in Mark's gospel, he, he seems to spring up out of nowhere. There's no nativity story in Mark's gospel. There's no birth, no baby in the manger, no background. He just shows up. Mark tells us who he is with the first verse. He's the Messiah, the Son of God. But no one else knows that. John baptizes Jesus, but only Jesus and we, the readers, see confirmation of Jesus' identity. So when Jesus begins his ministry, the basis of his authority probably seemed unclear to those who heard him, at least at first. In the Capernaum synagogue that Saturday, those in attendance may not have known what to expect. Any observant Jewish man could give the sermon, which was usually pretty short. But Jesus' words are different from anything else they've ever heard. They were astounded, Mark says, for he taught as one having authority and not as their scribes. Scribes or legal experts were professionally trained to interpret the law based on their knowledge of the Bible and rabbinic tradition. That was where their authority was based. Now, there's nothing wrong with that uh, because, you know, that doesn't sound too different from a lot of pastors. You know, we, we do, uh, do uh, professional training and we do learn a lot about different texts. But when Jesus spoke on the good news of the reign of God, the people could see it 
in a way they hadn't before. Jesus' knowledge of God's reign wasn't just something he got in a book. It was personal. It was first-hand knowledge. But wherever the gospel is preached, resistance isn't far behind. A man with an unclean spirit challenges Jesus. Now, we know that this is a demon, but the word unclean tells us something. On the holy day, in a holy place, a spirit that shouldn't be there ironically accuses Jesus of not keeping to his proper place. Our translation has, what do you have, what, what, are, uh, what do you have to do with us, Jesus? But it could also mean, why are you here? Why aren't you keeping to your place? Why don't you go back where you came from? And the demon has a certain kind of knowledge. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. A being in the wrong place on the wrong day tries to use the truth about Jesus' identity as a weapon against him. In doing so, it exposes itself to the light. Of course, we might say, we don't believe in that sort of thing anymore. Don't believe in that. We, that's stuff you only hear about in movies. After all, you only, The Exorcist or that awful re, uh, sequel they just did last year. You know, that's, you know, we think of that as, as something of fiction. Because we're the masters of our destiny, aren't we? Surely there aren't superhuman forces out there that control our lives. Surely. Right? That's ridiculous. There's no such thing as addiction or war or consumerism that reduces everything to what I like or dislike or late-stage crony capitalism that enriches a few while impoverishing many. And it's not like everything has become politicized out there. Surely not. Surely people don't hate each other based on how they vote or the news they watch. There isn't violence in public spaces, is there? There isn't an epidemic of loneliness in the nation. And more and more people, particular, particularly men, aren't dying young of drugs, alcohol, or suicide? Well, of course we're plagued by all of these things and more. We are not the masters of our destiny that we often think we are. We're not fully sovereign selves like we'd like to pretend to be. All these things have human agents, of course, but the demonic is behind all of them. And you notice that in every single one of them, communities are destroyed. Relationships are impaired. That's what the demonic does. And what's worse is that all too often, Christians can fall prey to such demonic lies. We might be tempted to believe that, well, the Christian faith is all nice and good in its place, but in the real world, might makes right. We might be tempted to write off half the country as hopelessly deluded, in need of either conversion to our side or destruction. Perhaps the most dangerous temptation, the most dangerous demon out there, is one of unbelief. The temptation to, to not believe that God, to believe that God doesn't care or can do anything about the chaos in our world. 
unbelief that we are loved by God and that God desires our wholeness. In that unbelief, we may abandon the ways of Jesus and opt for the ways of Caesar, the way of the sword. We may take that as our authority. But just because Jesus doesn't swing a sword doesn't mean that he is weak. Jesus' word is not, authority is not based in violence, but it is based in his word, in his identity as the word of God. With the word, Jesus drives out the demon from the man, freeing him from his captivity to sin. God also uttered a word at the dawn of creation. With the word, God brought order out of chaos and light out of darkness. What's happening in this man is no different from what happened at creation. It's the restoration of a man to health and wholeness, to being. Jesus, the divine word, has invaded his own creation to drive out chaos, hatred, and death forever. By his authority, the word of God which we saw confirmed by his Father and the Holy Spirit, Jesus proclaims and enacts the good news of God's reign for all people, all people, not just people like us, not just people we agree with, but for all people. And by his authority, he gives us a little glimpse into that reign for one man on that synagogue on a Saturday. By his authority, Jesus' reign comes to us today. It's here in Christ, forgiving sins, restoring community, restoring life, bringing wholeness. It casts out hatred, suspicion, and despair. That reign is known to us in word and sacrament today, the primary means our Lord has given us. But Christ is not just known here. I bet, and I think, Nola, you alluded to this, and I'm sorry to call you out, but you thanked people for, their, heal, for their, their prayers, for your healing, and you got such a wonderful report. That's an example of the reign of Christ being made known in you. Whenever we see that, whenever we see new health, new life, that's where the reign of Christ is. Wherever we see Forgiveness, second chance, or peace in the face of death. That's where we see the reign of Christ. I know this sermon is going a little long, but I have just a little story. When I worked as a hospice chaplain in 2009, uh, I saw there was a woman who was dying. She went to the hospital for the last couple weeks of her life. And she had, she and her sisters treated it as a goodbye party, farewell party. She was a Lutheran, and she had a guest book that, we, that people could sign. She treated it like a going away party because she knew where she was going. That is the reign of Christ. She had such peace. 
Jesus' authority is confirmed in what that authority does. Whenever you see people forgive each other or experience healing of body or soul or community restored, you know that Jesus is present. And the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of faith in Jesus and his reign. Wherever the world seems like it is determined to plunge itself into chaos, Jesus is there restoring life and hope. All authority is his. And as the Apostle Paul assures us and the church at Corinth, he will reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. This is most certainly true. Amen.